number two, Jeff Cameron Show. Good Monday, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. You can check us out uh, on the Warchant TV uh, YouTube feed if you want to watch the program. If you're listening to it here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, we appreciate you very much. Appreciate you all. Thank you for uh, joining us on a day where we kind of walk our way through it. We talk our way through it. We get through the end of football and on to the next. Although, you don't have to wait too long until we have that spring game. So, it's not that, that spring practice provides a little bit of a relief, you know, just to, just to satiate a little taste just to get you into the, the dog days of, you know, summer. Yeah, basically two, two and a half weeks out from the practice itself. And yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, when, when you're mediocre, spring practice is your oh, friend. Oh, it means a lot means a lot. Uh, we're going to be watching that very, very closely. And and by the way, as an aside, on Warchant.com, uh, the website, uh, well, position previews and videos to go along with, I'll be part of some of those. Tom will be part of some of those. And the whole Warchant crew will just mix and mingle and, and do what we can when we can. Uh, but we'll be looking at the offensive line, quarterback position, wide receivers, all of it, as we go through this offseason. And you start talking about areas of strength and weakness and need and all that. Who has to emerge? Who's being counted on? Obviously, it's uh, self-explanatory when we talk about the quarterback position. Uh, their eggs are all in the basket of Jordan Travis. There's no doubt about that. Going to need him to play really, really well. Uh, but then you have all these newcomers at other key positions, in particular receiver, and certainly looking at that defensive line and talking about what has to happen there to replace uh, the, the the strength of the team from a year ago. So we've got a lot of uh, interesting uh, segment previews Linebacker, obviously the young man from UCF coming over is a, is a big to-do. You get a guy now who's been so productive. Uh, it's it's going to be fun to preview those. It's going to be fun to watch this spring for the reasons that we're, we're laying out right now, which is that there's real intrigue and uh, some guys really have to emerge. Some of them are veteran players that we've seen a little bit from that we need to step up. Others are transfer portal guys that you're just excited to see play. So here's what's interesting, too. Just something to watch for in spring camp and fall. You believe that Mike knows, Coach Norvell knows, that this is a big year. Oh, I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, how could he not? Does that impact the urgency with which and the sound that we hear during practice, how how those things are run? I wonder if there is less tolerance for – not that there was anything wrong with the practices we ever saw. You just wonder if the tone changes because perhaps the stakes are a little bit higher or if he can – this is the standard, this is what we do, this is what we always do. It'll be interesting. Well, and that's – okay, so – the good news, I think, for that group, for this coaching staff, is they really don't have to change a lot. They need better results, but they don't have to change a lot about what they do. And that is because they did set a new standard when they got here, and they held everybody accountable to that, and they held themselves accountable to that. And I've not noticed, uh, from a day-to-day standpoint, them ever really shifting uh, the way they coached, how hard they coached, the energy they coached with, the pace, any of that. None of that ever changed. Now, Certain guys not being available changes uh, practice. You know, if you don't have your quarterbacks available, you got to go all special teams for a day. I mean, that's, you know, obviously that's being dictated by. And that by, paid off. <laughs> that's being uh, dictated by relative health. But in terms of the messaging and the consistency of message, the urgency with which they coach, uh, the energy, all that, no, that that's. They don't have to change anything. They've done a good job with that. They flipped that locker room pretty quickly. Uh, they were able to kind of, uh, you know, vet what needed to be done there. I don't think they 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 didn't swing and miss the way that Willie did with their starting quarterback, for example. Like right off the bat, I remember being taken aback that the first real big decision that Willie had to make was whether or not 
to trust DeAndre Francois. And if you remember, you and I talked. He was right the first time because he, he lit into him on signing day. Correct, he did. And we were like, oh, good, he sees what he is, which is not a leader. Well, wildly inconsistent and not dependable. Good, glad he sees it. And then, oops, he got fooled. And you're like, man, you lose that test. You're gonna, you, you fail that test, you're going to fail everything from there subsequently because that's the first thing your players see. And, um, you know, that was, that was heartbreaking. There hasn't been any of that really here. They just haven't been good enough. Uh, you know, they, they 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 got guys bought in. They got guys believing and working really, really hard. Yeah, short of the Jacksonville State debacle, which includes, uh, you know, packages in which McKenzie and Jordan are on the field at the same time. Mm-hmm. Outside of that. Well, that was a, it was a that, colossal uh, error, and they looked terrible. And it was a rough night, though. It's the biggest blemish uh, of his time here. It hasn't been the overall record, which isn't good, uh, but it's it's that night. I mean, they treated the game like a glorified scrimmage, and it came back to haunt them, and they can never undo it. It's why there will always be a certain level of distrust until we get many years of successful seasons removed from that night. Like, you're going to need all of that. I mean, even even the things they did subsequently, which turned out to be a team fighting uh, every Saturday and, and really improving in the second half of the season uh, against – pretty large obstacles given that that was the stronger set of games on the schedule for them to see that turnaround was kind of surprising which means they didn't pack it in after an an ugly ugly night but even then I mean it's not like our fans or anybody else analyzing this group could ever ignore that they know that was in there and they know that that debacle happened and they know that uh, until they see something in the way of consistency and vast improvement they're always going to look at him sort of with a jaundice eye even if they love him and, I, and I'm a big fan. I think he's done um, a, a relatively good job given the circumstances. But I, I, in terms of his coaching, yes, I believe he's a good football coach. There's a lot of other factors that go into being a football coach. But in terms of the X's and O's and the energy and the organization, yes, I think he's a good football coach. So then what is outside of the newcomers? And that's a huge topic. Well, that's a big and, one. And, I mean, that's – But if you're looking for something in spring, because a lot of years, a lot of years – we will be excited for the prospect of spring. Then we'll get the second week of practice, and we go, oh, man. No, the receivers, but, right? You want to consistently yep. see the passing game. Look, I think this is the best that the offensive line is going to look uh, since he's been here, certainly, and maybe the best we've seen in some time. They're, they're not going to be dominant or anything, but they could be downright good. Uh, certainly, maybe even above average. How about that? Is that a better way of saying it? Instead of saying good, we're saying, we're yeah, you're above average. Okay, good. Well, then that means you ought to be able to throw the football. You brought in a bunch of receivers, and you got a quarterback who a lot of people think took the next step and was improving. Well, now you're giving him weapons behind a better line. You ought to be able to throw the football. Well, that was yeah. We did a video last week uh, about the running backs, and you know that's Which one fairly pedestrian. But that's a group that should benefit greatly from both of those segment groups as well, meaning mm-hmm. the offensive line and the receivers. Because if the receivers are enough of a threat that you can't stack the box and say, go ahead, Jordan, beat us on the outside with throws and one-on-one matchups. You can't do it. You've got to worry about Jordan Travis' legs, the receiving game. The O-line's not terrible. It's average to above average. Now you've got balance before the ball is snapped. Now you can you isolate make, matchups yeah, more you freely. Make, you got to make somebody play you honest, right? And it can make the life of a running back a hell of a lot easier than it was last yeah, year. Yeah, sure hope so. I mean, I, yeah, we have a lot of interesting things to tune into in the spring, and that's why I'm not so bereft of hope today like I normally am right after the Super Bowl when we don't have football and you're thinking to yourself, man, how do I get from February to August? I mean, this is going to be brutal. Uh, but, you know, you're a couple weeks away, as you pointed out, from practice starting uh, in a p- pivotal season for the head coach and his staff. You've got a lot of newcomers. I mean, you 
count the ways that that's intriguing. I mean, there's there's a lot going to go on this spring, and the fan base, I would think, and our listeners and everybody are excited about it as well. I mean, listen, it's it's not quite the same as fall practice getting underway because you know then you're on the precipice of actual games, but. This is a pivotal time. Uh, just it feels like such a critical year for the future of the athletic program. <laughs> independent so many of levels. yeah, just independent of whether mm-hmm. or not the get out of jail free card comes in the form of reclassification of Power Five or conference realignment that sees the ACC get eviscerated. Whatever it is, like that would be our get out of jail free card. If that doesn't happen, then you really need to cash in on a year like this, in which you've got new voices leading the athletic department and the uh, the board. And you've got Mike Norvell, and you feel like it's finally an honest chance. This is his first honest crack at it without some kind of weird things that happened, the COVID uh, situation or whatever, recruiting-wise. You need to cash in. So you got you get the right message out there between now and kickoff of the first game. Because if it does start right, and let's say they start 3-0, and that means you have a month in which you haven't lost a football game after the first game kicked off. Yeah. Um, so how can you get the money from there? As much money as possible. Yeah, you're going, all of these things are critical this year. Yeah, you're going from micro to macro. Yeah, you're going from hey, we're talking about the football team, areas of weakness, strength, and everything in between to hey, not only is it a pivotal year for football, but this athletic department as a whole, they've got to do some serious fundraising. We gotta get monies up. There's a lot to be done in terms of infrastructure and the like, uh, NIL, obviously, all that stuff has to be organized. It has to be a plan that is put in place where you're able to lure recruits. Things need to be shinier, yes. period. And and Ira did a great job in that article. New, new padding, uh, Tom, over oh. there at Hauser. There's new padding. Well, admittedly, that's got to be like 15th on the priority list as it stands right now because football has to get right. But, for example, I did a coaches uh, club contribution last week to one of the programs at Florida State. Yeah. And the site timed out on me twice. I had to spend 20 minutes to try to give them my money. To try to give them money, you, yeah. That, stuff like that Can't cannot happen. happen. Uh, yeah, website, by the way, was uh, addressed by one of the candidates uh, for the athletic jo- uh, uh, athletic director job. It was brought up that they were uh, a mess. Yeah, I couldn't hit submit. You're like, I'm trying payment. to give you right. money. So I had to log out, I log back. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to give gosh. you money. Stuff like that cannot happen, and that is analogous to the conversations that they have to have with their big money boosters. Just Even if they're not ready to pull the trigger on the dollars, have them in position to if we win in New Orleans and say, so what do you think? Yeah, let's go. Let's make it happen. Get them in the casino celebrating the there big win. Is. Yeah. You know, i got to tell you, I, I, hearkening back to the Super Bowl, which we touched on in the first half to start the show, of course, um, If I, had, I was just looking at some numbers during the break. So, at the end of that game, and I know you're aware of this, but uh, maybe some of our listeners who were just kind of watching in passing maybe didn't have a real interest. The Bengals, by the way, yeah, had five consecutive empty drives to close the game where had they gotten points in any one of them would have at least earned overtime. Uh, that is not going to sit well in the offseason. That's a toughie. I just needed a field goal to get to overtime in any one of these last drives. And this is the stat that accompanied that number. They had not gone five consecutive possessions without scoring points all season. Wow, is that right? So they were defying the odds in that Tennessee game. Uh, Crazy, right? I mean, not including kneel downs, obviously, at the end of games. But, yeah, they had not gone. Well, that's where that game turned into a snoozer. It was, you know, early to middle part portion of the third quarter until the finish. It was just stop after stop, and it wasn't necessarily because you're thinking, wow, unbelievable defense. There were some good plays out there, yeah. but it wasn't about dominant defensive play. It was just kind of... Well, it was McVay running his head into a brick wall, <laughs> yeah. scared to death to throw a pass. But Cincinnati won the turnover battle with two interceptions. 
So they protected the football. They hit explosive plays, both over Jalen Ramsey. Um, they dominated Sean McVay's genius offense, quote-unquote, for much of the game. Um, 23 carries for 43 yards. What are we doing here? What are we doing, Sean? Should never get to 23. What are we doing, Sean? I mean, after about 15, 16 carries of negative yardage, I'd have been like, okay, all right, this this is – we can't block him. Can't block him in the run game. We know that much. Yeah. So let's throw it. Well, which is what they did uh, at the end of the game on a 15-play drive. 11 of those are passes. Seven of those are targeting Cooper Cup. To Cooper Cup's credit and to, uh, I guess, the, the Rams' credit – at some point, figuring out that you have uh, a weapon on the field that nobody can seem to stop, uh, whether that's scheme or athleticism or both or whatever it is, timing. But, I mean, how is it? And I, I think we were all screaming at the TV last night or the Bucks game or the game before that. If you're rooting against the Rams in any one of these games, you're like, is nobody going to cover Cooper Cup? Is that how this works? Because at some point, you would think, you got to take that dude away especially after Odell Beckham goes down. Yeah, you would think you could bracket at I'm that my point. man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's why Odell was so important, is that when, when he came in and was in shape and started producing right away, then you're like, oh, well, now you're kind of screwed because now you can't really double. Yeah, and Higby was, uh, yeah. you know, yes. when he was healthy. Yeah, so I'm thinking towards the end there, that's the guy. That's the only guy you really need to be sure you cover. Take your chances with the rest of these slappies. That's the guy. Over 2,400 receiving yards in 21 games. It's crazy. That's the year he had. Great feet. He's tough. I mean, you watch it uh, at the line of scrimmage. Nobody ever gets a hand on him. It's like, just great feet. Look at this guy. It's Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply People are filled with questions that I hadn't gotten to. I hadn't looked at the chat yet today. But uh, Barbie writes, Big Daddy J and Tom, NHL betting question. I have Stanley Cup futures on three teams. Well, all right. Way to go, Barbie. Which should I keep? Panthers at plus 1,000? Yes. Yeah, I like that one. Lightning at plus 800. Rangers at plus 2,000. Tom, uh, so do you have to get rid of them? You got to get rid of them. Just hold on to them. Hold on to all three. You put pizza money on all three. Those are okay. The Rangers uh, obviously have the biggest value. They're they're kind of fading. I'd be watching the Rangers right now very closely the next two three weeks as they play. All right. Well, then there's the answer. If you got to get rid of one of them, he's saying keep a close eye on the Rangers. Look, the 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 Panthers have been 
one of the best two or three teams in hockey all year. So uh, I don't think they're going anywhere, and they're hungry, and yeah, they're really talented. Their home record's absurd, and they're going to have home ice, uh, yeah. except for playing Carolina. So Carolina is the fly in the ointment for any of this, and so is Colorado. But Fraud in the East, Carolina. In the East, you've got you know three out of the probably the five biggest contenders. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Hold on to the bolts. Hold, who are getting healthier, about to get even healthier. Yeah, they're going to be scary again. They're going to be scary again in the postseason. Um, but again, the Panthers have been great, and they seem hellbent on sticking it to the lightning in any regular season game they play because they're trying to send messages. Yeah, that's the thing is if they face off heads up in the second round of the playoffs, which is, I mean, really possible, um, I would bet the Panthers in that situation mm-hmm. because you're going to get great value. I think Vegas is going to overvalue Tampa based on past success, but I mean we can cross that bridge in April when we get there. Uh, <laughs> thanks for asking where I went to eat, Ed. I did not go to your suggested place, but I plan on it soon enough. And thank you for the suggestion. I saw that later on. I was very pleased. Uh, we had a lot of people say, oh, "How about this place? How about this place?" Um, okay. So here's a not surprising story, and it's a short segment because we got to get to Ira at the bottom of the hour. But uh, update, I feel like we'll keep doing this update because as long as he's around, this is the kind of guy he's going to be. Uh, but free agent NFL running back Adrian Peterson, he was arrested on Sunday at the uh, LAX uh, airport there in connection with what uh, airport officials said was domestic violence. Now, if you recall about uh, Adrian Peterson, um, me wishing uh, – damn near death upon him after he uh, beat the bejesus out of his four-year-old son with a switch um, and was arrested for it at the time. He pled it down to reckless endangerment, but uh, initially it was a much more serious charge. Um, Look, felony child abuse, which was in 2014, in which he beat his four-year-old son with a switch to the point that he had cuts and bruises on his private parts. Um... And in and, and, and other parts of his body as well. Yeah, a lot of times when you say death upon somebody, yeah, you, you I, think I it's a little harsh. Yeah. Not this one. Not this one. No, no. sir. No. So he pled no contest eventually to a reduced charge of reckless assault on his four-year-old son. Um, he got a two-year probationary period. He was fined $4,000, performed 80 hours of community service. He was suspended for one year by the NFL. Um, not a good dude. And now he's being um, arrested for uh, assaulting his wife, Ashley. Uh, but as is the case usually of the abused, she's saying, oh, it's a misunderstanding. She doesn't want to press charges. Um, so it's unfortunate. I don't know what happened in this particular case, but I know his history tells me he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. So whether he did or he didn't, I'm going to go ahead and assume that he did, given that he'll beat the hell out of a child. Certainly wouldn't think much. I'd take much. I wouldn't think to beat a woman then for beating children. Unbelievable. Chef Cambridge Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Chappelle set to join us next. Chef Cambridge Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Get our buddy Irish Chappelle on the horn here in a second, and we'll, we'll talk to him. Oh, he's already there. He's already there. Oh, he's calling us? Oh, it's video. Oh, we're doing this permanent now, huh? I love it. As long as he's not on the road, sometimes he needs to be on the road covering the Knolls. Well, I just I want the people to get what they want. There he is. I see him. Look at him. Oh, he's happy to be joining us. Hello, Ira. How are you, brother? I'm good. I wouldn't say permanent, like Tom said. It's uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll do it when we can do it. But yeah, I'm glad to glad to be on, buddy. 
All right, well, I got to start with the bad stuff. Uh, what do they do, man? What do they do? I, I, you're more patient than most everybody um, uh, about a lot of things. Uh, I, I give you credit for that. I know you couldn't have enjoyed watching this basketball team, uh, which is wrought with injury and frustration. We all know that, but uh, it can never be twenty-four to one, and you can never be watching a team uh, that you know is on the wrong side of a record-setting performance. Uh, in a building that's been around since 1986. That's that's a toughie, buddy. That's a toughie. Yeah, that was brutal. Um, you know, and I, I thought there were a couple moments early on where I was just like, okay, this is this is not good. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a possession. I think it was early. It was during that run where the run that seemed like would never end. Never ended. Um, where Matthew Cleveland kind of got the ball somewhere near the paint and, and he, like, handed it off to Harrison Prieto. Like, hey, you make a shot. It's like, dude, no, man, there's nobody left. It's you and maybe, uh, you know, Cam Fletcher and, you know, I mean, maybe John Butler. Like, you guys have to be taking all the shots at this point. And so, and it's like, that to me would be the message I would have given to, now, of course, they thought they were going to have Caleb Mills. But, you know, in a timeout or something, like something should have been said to those. It seems like maybe it was said at halftime because Cleveland came out much more aggressive in the second half. uh, Cameron Fletcher was. But they're at a point now where you can't really even run your offense anymore. Like, there's no, we don't need Matthew Cleveland and, and, and John Butler and those guys setting screens for Prieto and Wilkes. I mean, there's there's just only a couple guys that can put the ball in the basket against a, a team like that. And those guys have to be just, I mean, it's it's got to be guys hunting shots at this point. And then defensively, I mean, that was just a disaster. And there were possessions where, and Leonard Hamilton talked about it this morning. He talked about it a little bit after the game that when they went back and watched the film, there's possessions where there's fast break opportunities for North Carolina, where FSU guys were actually further back on defense than the Carolina guys were when they started the break and Carolina finished before FSU got back. I mean, that, that was just, you know, it's lack of effort. It's guys being demoralized and beaten down, but that can't happen. So uh, there's a, there's a lot going on there. Uh, Unfortunately, none of it is very good. What do you do, Ira? Because you're you're striking at the very heart of what I cared more about. I didn't care about the loss. I thought they were going to lose. I thought they were going to lose by a lot. There were a lot of factors that made total sense as to why they would lose and why they might lose by a lot. So, for example, North Carolina is a bubble team. They desperately needed that win. They're at home. We don't play well in the Dean Dome. Um, it's a bad front court matchup for us. We're injury riddled. Uh, you know all of the reasons that you might suspect as obvious, uh, to bet on North Carolina to win the game and win big. But one of the things that I never considered, and we ought not ever consider, and I can't imagine what Leonard Hamilton was thinking while watching it, because I know that's not in him, is that my team wasn't going to try very hard. That my team wasn't going to bother to defend because they didn't feel like it. That they were going to quit on each other for a half. And I know people see the final score and they're like, well, they only lost by 20 points. Man, Carolina didn't care in the second half. The game was already over. And when it's 24 to 1 or 60, whatever, to 15 at one point, I mean, Ira, that can never happen. What do you think Leonard Hamilton is thinking and, and is going to say or has already said to that team? I think uh, I'm, get, I'm sure he read him the riot act. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But, um, and he said, you know, they, I'm sure they talked about it in North Carolina. And they said that they, it was all expressed very. Uh, uh, clearly during their meeting and practice yesterday, and he said it seemed to be well-received. So I think they've, they're getting that message across. To me, I can kind of understand it to a degree 
with some of these guys because and and you know somebody that played sports at a much higher level than I did, but you know just anybody that's played any kind of sports, when you don't have anybody around you that can play, it can demoralize you and, and it can bring you down to a lower level. So now you have guys that have never been, you know, you have some of these older guys who have never had to be the guy. They've always been just kind of spot up shooters or maybe somebody that initiate the offense, but yeah. didn't actually have to beat break people down and. And carry the load, and then you have these young guys who thought they were going to be kind of guys that kind of filled roles on this team this season, and now all of a sudden it's like, hey, you're it, go make it happen. And I think they kind of went to a shell. Several of the guys, I think, went to a shell. That doesn't mean they don't have heart. It doesn't mean there. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It doesn't necessarily mean that because you could say, okay, they've been thrown into a situation they weren't ready for. We didn't prepare them for it. Now we got to help them through it. Or it could be you have some guys that don't have enough toughness and heart. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't, you don't know yet because some of those guys are young. So that to me is this process these next few games is seeing who responds. Again, a guy like Cam Fletcher, you know, he knew they were going to lose by 30 or 40 points, but he was going to compete every possession. He gets lost on defense. He doesn't always know, know, always know what he's supposed to be doing on offense. So there are problems, but at least he's going to go compete. And that's what they need to see out of these other guys in, the, in these last few games. Well, that was the alarming thing because I agree that it can all go south in a hurry and there are factors that are out of your control and all of a sudden roles aren't clearly defined or they're overwhelming, whatever it might be. But you can't not try on the defensive end you got to certainly provide resistance because you care enough to guard. And you know defense is an awful lot about want to. It's mostly about want to. you got to move your feet. you got to really work on defense. So when I didn't see that from the jump, I thought, man, this is scary because I've never seen Leonard Hamilton's team. I've seen Leonard Hamilton teams get beat because they're not good enough. I've seen Leonard Hamilton teams get beat, um, you know, because they had an awful day. You know, whatever, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Happens. But I don't really recall any time that Leonard's been here where I saw a team just not try on defense at all to start a game. Like they were just giving up layups and wide open threes. They didn't care to stop anything. And I mean, to the point you were making in that last uh, in your last segment or the segment before I was in the car listening, this is the, one of the very few times that there's really no feeling that there's anything much to play for at the end of the season. Because even even the years that they didn't make the tournament, right. like that four year stretch in the middle there where they didn't make the tournament. Most of those years, they were kind of in the running, and it was like, can they get there? If they can knock, if they just get one or two more big wins, they can get there. Or even in his first five, six, seven years, yeah, there were a lot of those teams, the Tony Douglas teams, where where maybe they didn't make the tournament, but they were they were fighting to get in, and they were they were trying to make the best case possible. This is a rare, rare season yeah. in Leonard Hamilton's twenty years, where I mean, it just doesn't feel like there's anything on the line except pride, and except for proving you're not what you looked like on Saturday. And that's something they have to prove. I certainly hope they can, because otherwise, I mean, you know, I. it's funny. We talk about an individual coach or player or, or team or game, but I think about the totality of what he's worked so hard to build and how people had to come kicking and screaming eventually to the TLCCC to turn that into an incredible atmosphere, one of the best in all of the sport. I mean, we never thought we'd be able right. to say that. But I know how fickle the fan base is towards basketball, and I know it doesn't take much, despite all of the work and the heavy lifting, to see this all unravel. And it's efforts like that on Saturday that will cause nobody to go to those games. And this year is probably a lost cause for most of these games, but 
you know, I, I don't want to see this all come crashing down because they've worked too hard and they, they've had too many great kids come through here. And Ham's, you know, we both love Ham. So I, I, that was alarming on Saturday. It was really disconcerting because I know that we're going to be looking at the same old nonsense we used to look at before this place became a house of horrors for teams in the ACC to come play at. Well, in the last home game, I mean, it was a nine o'clock game, um, but the you know the crowd was not really there and was not into it by any stretch. And um, you know, you don't know what we're going to see tomorrow night. Clemson comes into town again. That's a game. There aren't many games left on the schedule where you say, <laughs> okay, that's a game they could win. Clemson's a game they could win, if, if, especially if Caleb Mills plays. Right now, uh, we don't know if he's going to play. It sounds like he's questionable. But um, you know, but if you don't have any life in the building, that diminishes your chances. So. Um, but you know, man, they can't blame anybody else. I mean, this, the, you know, the, the, as you said, the students have been incredible all year. Oh, they've been awesome. Uh, I mean, even when they started losing, the students kept coming in mass and being loud. Um, so, I mean, it's, these guys have, I mean, they haven't created this situation because a, a big part of it's the injuries, but this is the situation they're in. And they're, if they're going to come out of it and just, again, nobody's expecting them to make a run here, but just to play with some pride and, and, and effort and energy and physicality, I mean, this is the thing. This is what concerns you again about this team is you have that situation where it's just a dunk line and three up, three point fast. And nobody does anything. Carolina. Yeah. Think think back to the yeah you know, that Virginia Tech game where they're just shooting threes all night and nobody's getting touched. And so, you know that that part is something that they really have to address. Frustrating, sir. Always appreciate it. Be well, good, uh, good sir. I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Jeff. See you, man. Be good. That's uh, IrishFLWarchant.com. Go read all of his stuff on warchant.com. And, of course, he joins us every Monday. Always appreciate that. And I'll be in here with him tomorrow doing some headlines. Look forward to it. Yeah, man, he just hit on it at the end. He just hit on it. I, I, I get in trouble because I'm a little old school. And I'll say things, you know, I've been on the air long enough to become old school, I guess. But I say things that 10 years ago nobody would be upset about, but now people, you know, very sensitive. And when I talk about running through somebody, people, I always, invariably, I get an email or somebody's like, what are you talking about injuring people? Man, look here. (laughs) Athletics, games are very physical. There's a mental and a physical part to all of it. And there are things you can do to make people uncomfortable for as long as the sport's been played. In baseball, people move people's feet. If I'm five for my last eight in the box – or I've hit you, you're pitching to me, Tom, and I've hit you at a career, you know, in 25 at-bats, I'm batting 500 with a couple of dongs. Look, man, that first pitch might be high and tight. You're going to move my feet. You're about tired of getting worn out. That doesn't mean you're vicious or you're out to ruin my career. It means you're a competitor. If you're st- steady stroking threes with, and, and I can't get out to you or you're way too comfortable, like I've noticed you're very comfortable, it's a hard closeout is all I'm saying. That's a hard closeout is all I'm saying. I'm glad I can shoot threes because apparently I can't pitch and I'm not good at <laughs> trivia. But at least I, I got something going for me. I but, can make some threes. But that's a hard closeout, Tom. And then you and I are going to have a conversation, and you're going to be angry when I hard close out. But that's fine. That's what. Uh, yes. I need you to start thinking that it's not going to be that easy for you every time you pull up to shoot a three. That there may be a hard closeout coming, Tom. Hey, I go even you know as far back as the Florida game. And they had wide open threes left and right. They couldn't hit them, or else that game would have been over a lot earlier. Yeah. And it ended up being academic. And there was a resounding message sent by University of Florida. They got off the schneid. But that whole game was open three in rhythm after open three right. in rhythm. So you got to shake people. You yeah. got to let them. Now, it doesn't mean that you just clothesline somebody. I'm not saying that, but hard close. Everybody gets it. They know what I'm talking about. 
And, uh, hey, listen, if he comes back from that and he's mentally still focused enough to make those shots and not really ever think about your hard closeout, then, okay, then credit to him off the cap. But at least you did something. Yeah, well, at least you did something to shake him up. And if we have the two-foul rule going on and I'm a walk-on who's in there because everybody's got two fouls, then I might clothesline somebody. Yeah, you might, have, does it matter? you might have to do that. Oh, no, I've been suspended. Oh, yeah. But, man, you can't just allow people to do whatever they want with Im- without impunity. I mean, they're, they're, these guys are just – with impunity, they're just whatever they want, just dunk, laughing, threes, chest bumping in the middle of the court while the game's going on. I'm like, what? What, yep. what are we doing here? Need a little bit of Hoosiers. If we're gonna go, we're gonna go together into the trophy case. <laughs> just man, no fight. That was that was just wrong. Jeff Cameron Show, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Popular prop bets. And the outcomes. Uh, if you were one of those that had Cooper Cup to win the MVP at plus 600, uh, I think he was the third most popular player selected uh, by Betors, uh, topped only by Aaron Donald and Joe Burrow. He was the third guy picked on that list. And um, he was also the most bet person to score the first touchdown of the game. That went to Odell Beckham Jr., but Cup was minus 190 for any time touchdowns, and he scored two of them. And, uh, you know, he's just the second wide receiver in the last decade to win the MVP. Interesting, because I don't think it necessarily was the wrong decision to have him as MVP, but when they announced him and not Aaron Donald, I was pretty stunned. You know why? The votes have to be in from the press before the two-minute warning. Right, right. Which is ridiculous. In a game that's decided by a field goal, the last two minutes are pretty important. Aaron Donald was unblockable when the game was on the line. I don't know. And how many sacks did they end up having as a group? Seven. Seven. Yeah, and he's, I mean, influential on every single one of those. Mm -hmm. I get two touchdowns, and I get the game-winning touchdown. Totally understand. And I know, in you know, for much of the first half, Aaron Donald wasn't that big of a factor. He wasn't. But by the end of the game, he was the factor. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr., the first to score a touchdown. You could have got him at plus 900. Um, and that was the uh, 50-yard scoring drive for the Rams. He was the second most popular player for any time touchdown market. Matthew Stafford rushing yards, by the way. Did you see this? So that number was five and a half. Stafford had three carries for six yards with a long of seven. The Bengals opted not to use their final timeout and forced Stafford to kneel one more time. Had they called timeout, Stafford would have gone under center because they didn't. He narrowly went over by a half yard. Wow, what a So if you were watching that, you knew that if he took one more knee, that was your ass. You were going to lose the over bet on his five and a half yards rushing. He ended up with six. Yeah, Burrow didn't hit. He had one run for like seven yards, right? Uh, what was his total? On Sorry, I'll look it up. Yeah, I, no, I was just up. resigned. Yeah, you can hear it in my voice. No, that may have been my play. Thank goodness, my prize picks, uh, people that you can be a part of use the promo code WARCHANT. They gave me an injury refund, it's in my account. They let me know via email, Tom, early this morning. Your money's back in your account, Campster. Thank you, prize picks. I appreciate you. I'm going to bet some more with you. I loved it this week at the WM, man. I put so many prop bets down on golf, prize picks. How'd it go? Great. I had Sheffler to win the tournament. That helped. Um, but 
That helped in my other league, too, where there's more money on the I was going to say, yeah, yeah I don't know that you can just straight up pick a winner in prize picks and standalone. No, you, you can pick, but you can pick uh, total score. The way they get around ah. it, they get around it by strokes. You just, you're just you betting strokes, so it's it's fun. Um, Evan McPherson over one and a half field goals was minus 150, uh, a popular player prop. He was even getting a lot of love for the MVP as the fifth most popular option, by the way, at DraftKings. Uh, McPherson did kick two field goals. You got the over on that. Had he made a third, it would have been to send the game to overtime. And if the game goes to overtime, two things are in play. The over is suddenly going to be a very real cashing opportunity. The books did not want that. The books wanted exactly what they got. Anytime a favorite wins the game but doesn't cover the number, Vegas and every other book is ecstatic because people bet favorites all the time. And in this case, they got the team to win that they needed to win, but they didn't cover. There you go. Is McPherson one of your favorite Gators of all time? Because he might be my favorite Gator. <laughs> when they showed that he was out there for the halftime show, like I guess I need to go warm up, guys. Yeah. And he's just he's sitting, sitting there, there taking watching. the halftime yeah. show. That dude is awesome. They got a lot of awesome guys on that Bengals team, man. Yeah, it's it's, it's good. Um, also, uh, Joe Mixon over three and a half receptions. This I had, but this cracks me up. It was a very popular bet. I knew it would be. But if you look at the manner in which he cashed, he had five catches, so barely, for one yard. Five catches for one yard. His longest reception was four yards, but he was tackled behind the line of scrimmage on the other catches. And, uh, yeah, so if I said to you, you'll win on the over three-and-a-half receptions bet, he'll have one yard. Well, here's one of the the things that was good about the game. I thought the whole way through the tackling, it was fierce. It was a physical game. There was some bad offense, bad coaching, as you've pointed out multiple times today. Oh, it was awful. And running into a brick wall over and over again from McVeigh. But the hitting was there throughout. There were a lot of hits that I you just had to check yourself. Woo, jeez. Yeah, they're playing for keeps out a here. A little aggressive. Well, I like it. That's the way football should be played. Man. Agreed. Get out yeah. here and hit each other. Well, what about the hit in the back of the end zone? They called. You know, that was just after the PI or the uh, defensive holding which flag. Which is a horrible call. They had a makeup call on deck. They were going to call the hold on the right guard or the right tackle, which was the correct call. But they were looking for a reason to throw a holding flag there because you hadn't seen one all day. And then they assessed that penalty, not to get all Lou Holtz here, but they called it a hold and a dead ball personal foul. So why don't you assess the hold followed by the yeah. personal foul? Yeah. They said that by rule they offset. Anyway, that play in the back of the end zone, like – so you're really going to call that hit in a Super Bowl in the back of the end zone when everything's on the line? Is it, what, a defenseless player? They made no sense. They had a great game going. They went all that time with not overly involving themselves in a game of this magnitude. Just the face is, mask. They missed, a, yeah, they missed the offensive uh, face mask. It was a doozy. But anyhow, they missed that. All right, so they missed it. But then they actively got involved in the game at the end, which is crazy. You had, you'd almost achieved greatness, and that would be that we're not talking about you. So the theory there is that that's, that's a makeup call for Ramsey, but what I thought I was interesting— I don't think you throw a makeup call in that situation on third and ten. I agree. They did, for whatever reason. Uh, but I just think they missed the call. I thought, I thought that play was very similar, in fact, less egregious than the uh, the T. Higgins-Jalen Ramsey inside the ten-yard yeah. line play, yeah. in which there was most certainly a hold. But if that is the barometer and you're going to let that go, there's no way that you can anticipate and call that particular play against Cincinnati. 
No, and and that call is egregious on a lot of levels because there's there's no uh, sustained grab whatsoever. It, b- bodies can hit. That's all right. It, it, they never call that. But there's no grab or wrap or pull. Of right. Any if kind. you're making a play on the ball, you can go. I mean, you yeah. can't go through the back, but you can kind of go through the side, and, yeah. and they'll never yeah, call that's, that. That's crazy. They just you can't make that call. Um, by the way, so if you go back, and I do think it's pretty funny, Cooper Cup, who wins the MVP. Cost a lot of people a lot of money because of his overthrow to uh, Matt Stafford. Because there's a bet that you over uh, two and a half players with a pass attempt and or three and a half different uh, what was it three and a half different rece- receivers four and a half some, whatever it was Stafford would have had been that one. Boy, what a terrible call that was at that time. That was a drive that was sustained. That was a rare, sustained Very drive rare. of ass-kicking and playing straight-up football for the Rams. In the moment you're going to call a trick, that's a very Sean Payton move right oh, it's there. It's a desperate play. It's a desperate... Yeah. But there was no reason for it. That In that particular moment in the game, you had some rhythm on offense. Mm-hmm. You don't need to break out a trick right now. It's a weird year. Uh, the Super Bowl wraps, and you're left wondering. You're thinking to yourself, you know, I mean, I dare say last year, when you sat down to watch the Super Bowl, and I know I'm biased, I'm a Bucks fan, but if you're just the average fan, you're going, well, the Chiefs during the regular season were one of the best two teams in football, and certainly the Bucks from week 11 on were one of the best two teams in football when you saw them. You didn't like turn off your TV. Now, you were bad because the game wasn't close a year ago. It wasn't exciting. It was 31-9. to It was an ass-kicking. That's what happens when the Bucks get to the Super Bowl. They don't mess around. But point is, it's 31-9. to You turn off your TV. You weren't like, I bet 12 teams could have beat these two teams. But you did last night. Last night, you, you turned off the TV and you went, I don't know, I can think of 10 teams that would have beat either one of these two tonight. Yeah, the argument— And I know that's not the way it works, but I'm just saying. The argument I'd make against the Bucks last year was you got pretty lucky that the three most important tackles, two for Kansas City and one for Green Bay, were all out in the yeah. particular time you yeah. played them. But you need to have some injury luck, but that's— You need a lot of injury luck. All the teams that go through this usually are pretty healthy. If Mahomes had both of his tackles, I don't know. I think we're, we got a really good football game, and we might very well lose that football game. But last night, yes, as a Buck fan, I'm thinking, man, we're going to beat you. One of these teams. Well, Dan there did beat the Rams. They tried to choke the game away. Um, Especially if we were healthy. Well, uh, yeah. No, I, I, listen. I, a the lot real of loser last night's Kansas City. Yeah, they got to be kicking themselves. They really do. I mean, well, and, and the heartbreak that Bills fans feel because they got, I mean, 13 seconds away, they would have, I think, beaten Cincinnati, certainly. I think they would have. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's a toughie. But Rams fans are like, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> the Jeff Cameron Show, 93. Oh, we got it. We can't wrap it up. What am I doing? Let's go. Let's let's make a wager. Go ahead. Cue it up. Hey, Big Daddy. Having some red Russians tonight? We'll know in about 47 seconds. Into an open wing. It's picked up by Dowdy. An empty net. He scores. Hot damn. Big Daddy's done it again. Red Russians all around, Teddy. All right, Big Daddy. North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services, including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today. Head to NorthFordaPayroll.com. Got a game you like? You know, I just tell Matthew, I don't know that I'm shopping in uh, in an aisle that I appreciate right now. I'm looking at all these things in the shelves, and none of them really look that appealing. If I had to play anything, if I had to, but this might be a bit of a reach, Toronto, Seattle, the number is six total goals. I bet it goes north of that. Never compelling when the guy giving the advice for a bet says, this might be a bit of a reach. <laughs> no, but I'll be honest. I could come, you know, with the full Lee Sterling gusto and fake it, but 
I don't know. Sometimes you gotta leave the sheet untouched. All right. Jets money line versus the Blackhawks. Jets minus one and a half. Minus one sixty-five money line for the Blackhawks. It's the Blackhawks. Yeah, I mean they're a much better team than Chicago. I'm gonna do it. That's my week. Chicago is uh well that's that's a good pick. <laughs> good pick. Good job, Jeff. Good job. <laughs> that's if you're my, gonna pick one, that's a good pick. He, he likes that one more than his own, everybody. There you go. Take that one. Take the Jets money line minus one sixty five over the Blackhawks. I saw that this morning and went, I like that bet. I'm gonna make that bet. Chicago's about to be in sell mode. Uh, flurry. Mm-hmm. Mark Andre is gonna yeah, be on the market soon. Be that. Good work out of you. Our thanks to Irish Chappelle as well. Good job, Director Matthew and uh be good, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Simple Headlines. Peace.